I hope that you brought a Bible with you this morning. If you did, I'm going to invite you to turn to the Gospel of John, the 13th chapter. As we prepare this morning in these next few brief moments to come to the Lord's table, I want us to be reminded that this is a special time of remembrance. A time to to remember what Jesus has done, what he did, and the model of service that he laid out for all who would follow him as believers, as disciples. I've had many people ask me many times why I do things the way I do. And I had someone say, well, this is probably how you were raised. And no, it's not. But it is my conviction as a minister of the gospel that when we come to the Lord's table, it should not be tagged on at the end of the service. It shouldn't be just an extra something that we try to add. It should be the focal point of our experience of worship on this day. And so I want it to be. On the night before Jesus was betrayed, arrested, tried, crucified, There were so many different things going on, it's hard to keep track of it all. But in the midst of all of that flurry of activity, that storm of of insanity, there is a moment of calm that is recorded by John in his gospel. And I wanted us to stop and, and look at it and just understand that even in the midst of the storm, There can be, there should be peace for God's people. And maybe you walked in this morning in your last week, last several weeks, last month, maybe the past year or two have been a storm. I get it. We've all been there at some point. I pray that today, as we look to God's Word, as we remember why we're here, that we might find peace by taking shelter in the presence of our Father. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. It's a lengthy reading, but I'm going to invite you to follow along with me, if you will. And if you can and will, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of our Heavenly Father as we read together from His inspired Word this morning. Chapter 13, beginning at verse 1, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from the Father and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. 
No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who's had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Would you pray with me? Father, in these moments, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds, that we might understand and we might reflect upon who you are, all that you have done, and the way that you work. And Father, as we dwell upon these things, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. For those who are troubled, help them to find peace. For those who are hurting, grant them healing. For those who are broken, make them whole. For those who need a Savior, call them to yourself. Father, have your way in this place. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are called to remember. When we gather at the Lord's table, when we come to partake of the elements of the Lord's Supper, it is a memorial service. It is a time to remember who Jesus is, what Jesus did. A time to remember the sacrifice that he made so that we might have life. So this morning, I want us to spend just a few moments remembering Jesus. Focusing on who he was, who he is. In order to do that, we're going to move quickly. So, sit back, listen, and remember. It's what we all need to do. We should remember and recall the way that Jesus served, the way he ministered with kindness, with compassion, with love throughout his earthly ministry. Even as he was teaching about God's kingdom and, and the coming kingdom, he did so with conviction, and yet he did it without compromise. He dealt with those who were sinners graciously. He dealt with those who were hurting with kindness, with those who were broken with compassion. He took those who needed to be made whole and he loved them to wholeness. That's how Jesus served. We should remember and recall the sacred significance of that evening in the upper room that we just read about. 
the foot washing that took place. Oh, and I know a lot of people today's culture say, ooh, feet? It was even worse then. As they walked barefoot or in sandaled feet along those dusty roads where the chamber pots of refuse were thrown out of the households, the people walked through that. But when they came into a home and it was time for a meal, then the lowest servant in the household, lowest in seniority, lowest on the totem pole, the one with the least amount of authority or position or place was assigned the task of washing feet, removing the dust, the dirt, the filth. It's so amazing to think about it. As they prepared to eat the meal that the Savior would ordain and give to the church as an ordinance, the creator of all the universe wrapped a towel around his waist and served his creation. What an amazing thing to imagine. But the evening didn't end there. They shared their meal and then they went out and we should remember that Jesus agonized in Gethsemane. As he prayed there, he was aware of what was before him. He knew that suffering was straight ahead. He knew that his heart was going to be broken by the betrayal of one who had been with him for three years, by the denial of one whom he loved, the rejection that he would experience from his creation and the death that he would suffer. We need to remember all of these things and more. We need to remember that we need to remain loyal to Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, so that we might not betray him as Judas did. I've heard so many believers through the years say, I will never deny him. I will never betray him. I will never turn on him. But it happens. There is inside of each one of us a fallen, broken part of our humanity that sometimes looks out for itself rather than for what is right. And yet, even, even then, even though he knew what Judas had done, and even though he recognized what was about to happen when Judas came to him in the garden to offer him that kiss, our Lord offered to him gentleness and kindness and compassion even as that kiss arrived. We should remind ourselves to always remain near to Jesus so that we will not deny him as Peter did. The bold and brash one who said, I'll never deny you. I'll go all the way to death with you. Denied him three times. And the Lord knew it was going to happen and even told him when it would happen and how he would know when it had finally arrived with the roosters crowing. We all fail. We all fall. The fact that we profess our faith in Jesus Christ, the fact that we, we become disciples, we follow him in baptism, we, we get into the word, we grow, we learn, we become, we serve, 
And yet there is still that failing part of our humanity that at times will succumb to temptation and we will fall and we need the gift that only Jesus can give. What is that? Compassion, kindness, but even more, forgiveness. I love reading the story of Peter. It's heart-wrenching when that third denial takes place and the rooster crows and he saw the Lord looking at him across the courtyard. How awful it would be if that was the end of the story. But if you read on to the end of the Gospel of John, you find Jesus and Peter taking a walk down the seashore in the morning. And the Lord asking him three times, Peter, do you love me? Three denials, three affirmations. And through the end of that, the Lord telling him, feed my sheep. Go back to the work. You're forgiven. It's all there. But perhaps the greatest tragedy in the story of Peter are those words that have haunted me so much of my life because I feel like they, they identify me. When right after the arrest, when Jesus was being taken to be tried, we read, and Peter followed him at a distance. Friends, draw close. It's when the distance comes that the failure is near. Stay close. This morning, we need to remember how our Lord suffered under the lash. Taking the stripes from the cat and nine tails, Isaiah said that by his stripes we are healed. How can we understand such great love that would endure such agony and such torment for us? They placed a robe on him. And they pressed a crown of thorns down upon his head. And they mocked him and they spat upon him. But just as the prophet had foretold, he said not a word. He was like a lamb being led to slaughter. Oh, the world may have mocked him on that day. But today and every day, we who are disciples should acknowledge him and crown him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords each day of our lives. And even as we're doing that, we must remember the nails, the nails that pierced his flesh, his hands and his feet. For so long as a child, I didn't understand. I thought that those nails were used to hold my Lord on the cross. But I've come to understand that they didn't do that. He was, he was God in flesh. And at any moment with a word, with a thought, he could have come down off of that cross. He could have conquered his enemies. He could have overcome death in that moment. But his love for me, his love for you, is the, that's what held him on the cross. Because he understood and he knew that without his death on the cross, there would be no forgiveness. That man would forever be separated from God by his sin. 
And so he willingly laid down his life, suffering the agony, succumbing to death, taking our sin and the wages that come with our sin and paying the price. He experienced the isolation from the Father that many people today carry for themselves. He cried out to his Father in heaven, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did that so that we could know the Father and never have to feel forsaken. And yet those who reject Christ, those who continue to live in their sin and deal with the wages of sin on their own terms are still separated, alienated, isolated, and forsaken. But for those who've come to know Christ, there's forgiveness. There is life. There is hope. There is a new beginning. There is every day mercy and grace sufficient because he paid the price in full. Friends, listen to me. All of this and so much more. I, if I just wanted to recite for you the life of Christ such as we know it, we would be here for days and weeks and perhaps months. And we know so very little of his life. And yet, that's how it would be. And so today, as we come to partake of the elements of the supper, I want you to remember with me that this, this is a memorial. To remember him, to celebrate him, not just his death, but his life after death. It's for those who know him. It's for those who are his children. And so I, I have to ask you, I'd be remiss if I did not, do you know my Savior? Do you call him Savior today? Do you acknowledge him as Lord today? If so, you are welcome at his table. If not, I plead with you, consider his claims. Consider what he has done and is doing in the hearts and minds and lives of his people. And if you need a Savior, by the way, we all do, would you call on Him today? Would you call on Him now? Before we come to this table, all He did, all we remember is evidence, it's proof of His love for us. And today as we prepare and gather at this table, it's my prayer that we would grow in our belief in his love and that we would respond to that love and surrender and obedience and if you've not done that I want you to know today is your opportunity because today if you've never known it never heard it before I want you to hear it right now God loves you God loves you and he has a plan for your life. But that plan begins when you enter into a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. That relationship was made possible by what Jesus did at the cross. It's available to all. I've had people say to me, preacher, you know, there are a lot of different theologies out there. Not everybody believes that everyone can be saved. Everyone has a right to be wrong. 
And today, I wore my right tie as a reminder. Because you see, this right tie has on it John 3.16. And it tells me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That, who would you say, John? Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I am a whosoever. If you're a whosoever, you ought to rejoice in that. If you're not one of those whosoevers, the door's still open. And today, whosoever may can come. Are you a whosoever? Then why not come to him? Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a brief song of of surrender, of invitation. Simply because I want to give you the opportunity today to be a whosoever. If you need a Savior, you know that. Would you cry out to him? Would you confess your sin to him? Ask his forgiveness? Invite him into your life? Maybe you don't understand what that means. You say, I need more information. I need to know what that's about. Come visit with me. Come take me by the hand and say, Pastor, I want that relationship. I'd love to visit with you and pray with you about it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe we just need to pause long enough to say thank you, Lord, for letting me be a whosoever. Whatever it is that you need to do, I invite you to do it this morning. Do it quickly. Do it while we sing. Don't wait. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for the memories that you place in our hearts and minds as we study and read your word. The memories of a Savior who loved us so much that he was willing to leave heaven, come down to this earth, put on flesh, live as a man, experience what it was to be hungry and thirsty, to be cold, to be hot, to know pain, to know temptation, even though he never sinned. And Father, I pray this morning that as we remember who he was, all that he has done, that will be drawn to you. Father, if there's one in this room who does not know you, I pray for them right now. That your Holy Spirit would begin working in their lives. That they would understand this is not a way of bondage. This is the way of freedom. This is the way to be set free from sin, from death, from hatred, from sin. Father, I pray this morning your Spirit would call us to come to you to meet you at the altar, to lay down the burden, to give up the sin and find life in the Savior. Father, prepare our hearts for your table by preparing our hearts for life with you. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.